Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. It has finally cooled off a little bit in Calgary. And my mental health is like a thousand times better without all the smoke and crazy heat. How are you, Alyssa? Oh, I am the same. I am like feeling like a homey person. I can sleep at night and I I wake up refreshed. I don't have the constant feeling of claustrophobia and anxiousness like that smoke was so bad last week that I was beginning to feel oppressed because like there's no escape and you can't see the sky and you can't like it's like it doesn't matter where I would drive would be this like I was just starting to have a bit of a mental crisis about it so yeah it's um it's a whole new world now that it's not a thousand degrees and full of smoke so yes hopefully hopefully um BC calms down a little bit and uh, we can we can enjoy the rest of what summer we have left. These heat spells too, like they're like nothing I've ever seen in my life. It's actually um, starting it's starting to get pretty scary. None of this is normal. No, it's which not. We'll, which we'll talk about later in the episode, but mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. climate climate change is here. It's real. It's happening. So. We'll yes. hold that off till, the, till later in the episode. Till later. We've got some feedback on how you can be a better leader for your environment. Yeah. Um, so I want to kick off today's cast with a bit of a lady rant. Lady rant, lady rant. Lady rant. <laughs> um, so we are in a, posi- a very exciting position right now at Social Centric and Company where we are hiring our very first salaried employee. For the last year, I have gone back and forth, back and forth, contractor or employee, contractor or employee. I've tried having subcontractors come on to be part of my core team. It's worked out well. um, But I think people are looking for more security at this point, which I totally understand. And after numerous talks and research and brainstorming, I've just come to the conclusion that an employee would probably be a better fit just because of that, because of the security and because of the things that we need. Um, So here I am, five years into my business. I've built this business on my back. You know, like I look back and I'm just like, holy cow, I actually built something viable that pays the bills. Now I have extra capital to actually bring someone on to help me and we can continue to grow. And I'm all excited. And then I march out into the the talent market to try and find my unicorn. And honestly, it's not even really a unicorn. Uh, Literally, we're just looking for an account manager um, to find that, frankly, nobody seems to want to fucking work right now. Pardon my language. Literally, everybody's riding this CERB wave with COVID benefits. And there's a number of other issues that I'll get into in a second. But my, my main complaint here is I have literally found like... Nobody that qualifies for the position out of, I think, 150 applications. Okay. And I'm I'm already exhausted. (laughs) Two two things. 
First of all, uh, Serb ended last December, so nobody's on Serb anymore. So let's just put that aside. No, it's still it's still there no. for, until the end of September. What's the then? Uh, what's the one that's open till the end of September? Well, you can get one? EI. You can get EI if you're an actual employee, um, or you can get oh. a. I think it's a recovery benefit, but it's not. I don't think it's it's not two thousand dollars like Serb was. So, well, that one did. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Okay. Fine. Fair yes. enough. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but I think your issue isn't necessarily uh, that because I think people who are not wanting to go back to work right now are people who work in hospitality or any like shitty industry where Which makes they're sense. Not, not protected and all that other nonsense. Fair um, enough. Your issue and a lot of small business issues and a lot of um, issues that we have in sort of the PR world is the um, entitlement of the under 25 set. Sorry, I'm going to call you all out under 25s because I'm <laughs> just going to generalize all of you, but whatever. Um, I think, and I, I'm not even sure it's always them particularly. I think it's the the edu- the the post secondary like the PR programs let's just say um, at post secondary institutions that are setting up new grads to fail because I think the 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 program the, the PR programs or the communications programs at post secondaries are giving young people a false sense of what their worth is in coming out into a job market so when you're offering a student, whether a fourth-year student or a new grad, an opportunity for a position, they have these grandiose ideas based on what they've sort of been fed for the past four years about what they should and shouldn't be getting or doing um, with their first jobs out of university. So I think that's where you're you're landing right now is this sense of confusion and entitlement in terms of what they actually are worth. Um, Because I think just in my experience with dealing with some of the students, and it has nothing to do with them personally, it's just to do with their mindset after being sort of fed misinformation about the actual sector through their four years of university. Is that like, is that, politically correct enough. So I'm not like, I think so. Yeah, and, no, and, and you know what, that was, that was my very broad generalization yes. in the beginning. And clearly it was incorrect. Alyssa is right. What, what I have been experiencing is more, more, um, this is, and, and this may be a very old school way of thinking. And I am certainly not an old school thinker when it comes to like, the like career stuff certainly not in fact i would say i'm a pretty forward like thinker with with that stuff but what i'm struggling to understand and what just blows my mind throughout this process has been has been the entitlement um i've had people literally tell me i probably will only want to work with you for like 3 to 6 months and then i'm going to see like what 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 else is out there or I really loved um my last job so I'm just kind of biding my time until they hire me back because for some reason they like had to let me go and and I want to go back after and it's like thanks for your honesty but why are you wasting my time with an interview then and then I've had people straight up say like 
oh, I think I deserve more money, even though they don't have the experience to back that claim. Um, and then, yeah, like I've, I've just had people not really want to work in the trenches. Um, and, and what I mean by that is when you're starting out at an industry and you're graduating, like, sure, maybe you've got a bit of volunteer. If you have a bunch of volunteer experience and a number of work terms under your belt, sure, come on in and tell me that you want to work on strategies and not do social monitoring and content writing. Sure, sure. Argue that with me for sure. But if you literally have like six months of volunteer experience entering content into Sprout, that's where you're going to be starting. Right? And like we all have to start in the trenches and some of the best leaders in the world and business owners and CEOs and all and the whole gamut they started off working in the trenches. I started off working in the trenches. And what I mean by that with myself is like, I worked in retail. I worked some really shitty jobs. I worked in the banking industry. I worked in a number of industries until I figured out what I wanted to do. And when I did figure out what I wanted to do, you bet your ass I was media monitoring for friggin' 8-9 hours a day at an agency. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Days of building lists. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And then now I get to do what I do because I worked really hard for it. So it just blows my mind, these students that are coming out of school, Instagram's telling them, whoop do you do You can do anything you want. You can have your own business. And yes, you can. And that is something that I absolutely encourage and, and want to nurture in whoever comes to work for me. I want them to grow. I want to help them grow. I want to spend money and time helping them Um go to courses, get educated on things, go to conferences. Like I want nothing more for them than to become something amazing. But when you start out at a new job as a fresh grad or in your fourth year, you have to understand you're not making $80,000 a year. You're not even making 60 unless you're a lawyer, unless you're an articling student. And if that's uh, really where the job market is going, like, holy shit, I might just have to go back to hiring a contractor. I don't even know that that's where the job market's going because the job market is not um, supporting these demands of students. And I, and I mean, obviously we can't speak to other um, educational areas because we're not engineers or business people or like business majors or whatever. So we're speaking from um, PR grads perspective, but I would say that the the system is doing them a disservice. And I think this has been my my experience having been in PR for 20 years um, is that everybody expects that they're coming out to be Samantha Jones at a sex of Sex in the City. Like everyone yeah. expects that they're coming out and getting the fancy clothes. And everybody thinks that that's what PR is, is like prancing around in your cute clothes and planning these events and getting invited to all the cool parties and blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, no. No. In not. my day, it was cutting, like literally cutting from the newspaper store, like coverage stories. So that was that was my gig. And then put like um gluing them into like report books, report books, right? Yeah. So this is pre this is pre-media <laughs> monitoring and like this is yeah. how old I am. Pre-media monitoring and pre like PDF printing and being able to send PDFs of no, yeah. I was literally cutting out like so. Yeah. That was my days, right? And working in a newspaper and running around um, helping salespeople like get ad copy. So everybody has. I mean, I think that the the 
the the changing, I think social media has changed a lot in terms of what um, students and how how young people are growing up now and the fact of like seeing these lifestyles and seeing these things that like we never in a million years would have had act like we I know never would have even understood what any of that meant. Um, and so it's changed the expectations. And I think from a small business perspective, as business owners now, we're looking at it from a different way in the fact of, yeah, you, if I'm going to pay you and I have no problem paying for good people. No, neither do I. Um, but you have to earn that. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't start making like good money. Um, until I was like 10 years into my 12 years into my career, like actually as an employee, like you have to like, you have to put in your time. And I think my first job at a school was making 10 bucks an hour at the, at the Calgary sun. Like this is not like, we're not talking big dollars. And I, I, I wasn't making good money like for another decade or more. So this expectation that you're coming out and making 40, 50 grand a year is utterly horseshit. And I think I don't think it's the students or I don't, no. and I don't think it's the grads no. that are thinking these things. It's the, it's the inst- institutions, whether it's their families or their schools or whatever. It's their leaders. That are putting this in their head. So hence this whole leadership idea of what makes a good leader and what makes a good leader in this, in, in this vein is not selling crappy goods to young people under the guise that it's going to like make them make them more excited about graduating because you're you're selling them this big fanciful idea of what this is yeah. about because yeah. that's not being a good leader. And unfortunately we have there are leaders in this city that sell a very specific lifestyle and job description to PR students that when they actually get there is completely different from what they were sold mm-hmm. because that's real life. Yeah. And I refuse to sell to my next team member anything other than what is going to be reality because I want them to know exactly what they're going to be doing, exactly what to expect and exactly what they're going to be, you know, getting from it. And while yes, we might go out for some fun lunches every now and again, and of course, I'm always going to celebrate my people. That's who I am as a human. Work is work. And so the the rewards you're going to be getting are things like education, educational advancements, opportunities to go to conferences. Um, the my like the other thing that I promote as well is like we don't promote burnout at Social Centric and Co. Notwithstanding the times I've had to burn myself out to build to to run and build my business, but when when it comes to people working for me, I refuse to let them burn out because I am not an agency model. Mm-hmm. So, in order to accomplish all the things that I want to give to somebody that I know are very important in developing them as a human being and as a practitioner, um you do have to start kind of with the amateur work. Um, And then once you prove yourself, then who knows, right? And I actually think there's a lot of perks and I could go on about this forever, but like, I think the position that we're offering is, is outstanding for a new grad. And I'm just shocked that I, it's been like three months and I haven't found somebody. Um, I've even gone. Yeah. 
I think there's part of that too, is that when, again, it's getting back to this sort of expectation thing and they, they may see your job posting versus a, another job posting and think that, oh, when I look them up, it looks like this is like small and like a kind of a, like, little one person operation. I could go work here where it's like they have an office and they have people and, oh, there's going to be like a a secretary to get my coffee and blah, blah, blah. And um, dismiss your, dismiss social centric because you're deemed to be um, inferior because you don't have the, the, the projected bells and whistles that a lot of um, other organizations might. And that's, I think, a disservice. And this is what I would say to students. If anybody's listening right now and you are a third or fourth year PR student in whatever institution you're at, Mm -hmm. um, PR comm student, is do not get sucked into the, the phony bells and whistles opportunities that some organizations or businesses may be presenting to you as either an intern or a uh, a, a pay, or, a, or a, a graduated position pay attention and look at the people who are in charge of those organizations who own those organizations who are um, who who they're hiring what kind of clients they work with what kind of what kind of work they do um, really take a look at the ins and outs of the values and the principles that these organizations hold, because that's where you're going to gain more, m- way more experience and knowledge in working um, early in mm-hmm. your career is working for organizations that will put you in a position to succeed. They will put you in uh, working for a quality leader and they will not treat you like a number or like you're working in a puppy mill or any of those sort of new things that that a lot of um, organizations sort of throw on 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 inexperienced people. So I always tell PR students when if if I'm talking to them is that look at your look at the whole look at all the opportunities available to you as a PR person and don't just get sucked into like life in an agency or going to work in oil and gas or all those sort of big sort of fancy things that that get thrown around. It's like I spent my entire career in this city working in nonprofit and government and tourism and had a very successful career in all of those and never once worked in agency or oil and gas in the province mm-hmm. of Alberta. And I think I can hang my hat a little bit on that. Um, but look outside the boundary or the outside the box that's presented to you in school in terms of all of the opportunities uh, available to PR students and don't just get excited or fall for all the sort of flash and bang that's presented to you because quite frankly, the flash and bang is complete another like false advertising. hundred percent. Great advice, Eliza. And that kind of leads me into what we want to talk a little bit about with you guys today. So we want to talk about leadership um, and, and leadership in a number of facets. Leadership within your business, leadership within your life, and really importantly these days, leadership within your environment and some things that you can do in all three of those areas to be better, just be better uh, moving forward. So 
I think um, to Alyssa's point, you know, part of being a good business owner is being better to yourself. You know, taking time off. We kind of talked about this in the last episode. Believe it or not, being a good leader isn't about grinding and killing yourself. Being a good leader is knowing when you need to take time for yourself and take a break so that you can be a more effective um, partner to your clients and the people that work with you. And the other thing I would argue is um, being organized. Being organized enough to know you know, what exactly you're hiring somebody for, um, what exactly you can offer your clients and, and not taking on too much work or offering too much and spreading yourself too thin to people to impress them because you're only going to fail and and be a bad leader in that sense. I would say those are my two biggest pieces of feedback for being a good leader in business. And I'm sure Alyssa wants to chime into this. <laughs> I think my learnings in, in how, to, how I've become a leader or my leadership style over the years is allowing myself and anyone who works with me or for me to fail. Failure is not bad. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's not horrible. And if you don't, if you don't allow yourself to fail in, um, or, 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 and don't allow your staff or, or, um, contractors or whoever to fail, you never actually learn what triumph is. And I think too many people are afraid to fail. And that's when you don't move forward because, if you've made your if you've made your staff afraid to ever fail or to do something wrong or to make a mistake, you've basically set them up that they're always going to fail because they'll never achieve whatever you believe that they're supposed to achieve. Um, and I think we can all look at like what's happened these last eighteen months, and I think there's a lot of business people or um, employees who've been laid off and think they're a failure or think that this is their their issue or their failure, but it's not. I think, I mean, obviously in this situation, there's bigger um, world events at play, but if you don't look at any failure as, as an opportunity for something else, then you're also setting yourself up for disappointment always. Absolutely. The, the other thing I've I've learned, and this is, and I've never been a micromanager. I've never, I, I can't work for micromanagers. I never understand the point of like, if you didn't hire me to do the work, just leave me alone. But I always give myself and give people who work for me um, very wide grace to do things how they want to do them. Because just how, just because I've set something up that way doesn't mean that's going to work for you in terms of your work style or how you want to get things done. And I'm a big proponent of listening to the ideas and the suggestions and the recommendations of people who work for me, because again, they might do things better. They might be more efficient. And so if you don't have a, uh, a, a sort of personal working relationship with the people who work for you and they always and you always just view them as staff or you view them as your people as opposed to partners um that's also a failure of your leadership because you're not allowing those individuals to feel a part of your process and your organization and feel um ownership of it as well and those are the two things that I've really worked on through my career is, is allowing people to embrace failure 
and view it as an opportunity and allow people to tell me things and things that I can learn from them. Because just because you're younger than me or just because you have less experience than me doesn't mean that you don't know things I don't know. And that is such a good point because I personally, uh, not to disparage anybody who's older than me or um, in a different you know part of their life, but I would personally love to hire um, a young person who just graduated or is still in school specifically because of social media trends. Um, like they're like when I have recently spent a lot of time learning how to do reels properly, I've literally just thought to myself, you know, like if I had somebody else working with me right now on my core team, the I can only imagine like the amazing ideas they'd come up with because they're ingrained in this every day and it's kind of a part of their life. Um, luckily, we have an amazing content creator who is just fabulous with this stuff and she's kind of within that age range. And so like, luckily we have her. But like I said, yeah, like if you're not hiring people to partner with them and have them be leaders in your company too, then don't even bother. Um, you should always be wanting to uh, nurture and help your people grow. And if they're not part of the the business, then then don't even bother. But that leads me into another thing that I've learned in both my personal life and my business life that has been completely transformative. And it may sound really easy and like it's it's something that you should be doing all the time, but it's something that we all honestly suck at. And that is having boundaries Mm -hmm. and saying no. So whether it's in your personal life with a family member or friends, or whether it's in your business life with clients or people you're working with, having boundaries, knowing what your boundaries are, and saying no when you're overwhelmed or overworked is so important. And as much as it can be absolutely terrifying to lose somebody because they don't like to hear what you have to say or because you don't have the bandwidth to take it on, you are going to find that you will feel so much more empowered when you say no and set your boundaries. And that should just be a general rule as far as leadership goes for yourself. Totally Um, agree. I, I don't think you can be a leader without saying no. Exactly. Um, especially as a woman, we are terrible at saying no. And that's a societal thing that's been ingrained in us for like generations. But um, if you're if you yourself are unable to say no and create boundaries, your staff and um, other employees staff and employees are the same thing. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> your team members. <laughs> your team members yeah. will we'll follow your lead and do the same. And then you're in a whole other pickle because not only are you not saying no, your team members aren't saying no. And now you have like way, way, way too many things on the plate because everyone feels that they have to be everything to everyone. And I think, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting conversation too, like as as the leader of your business and how you you shape your team your team around that is if your team members see you um placating to or bending over backwards for difficult clients or difficult people, um they will follow that and they will do the same and that will follow them into other jobs and they will continue to be pushed around by um, other bosses or 
their boyfriends mm-hmm. or whomever because they've they've seen you do it. So it's it's kind of to me like being a parent in a way in the fact of how you present yourself is how your kids see you as a parent and how you handle things. And and because kids will look to you as a parent, it's the same thing with team members. And if you are a leader, you are going to handle situations and, and you want your team members to see how you handle things so that you can be teaching them in the same, in the same way. Yeah. That's an amazing point, Alyssa. I can't um, even tell you how many jobs I've had where I'll never forget this one time. I'm obviously not going to name any names, but just as an example, I remember I was working at um, an agency and I was with one of my leads and we were driving. It was after hours and we were getting some stuff done and running around the city for an event. And I, I'm not going to blame... Well, no, I am going to kind of blame leadership because they definitely promoted like this hustle culture for sure. Uh, and like high burnout. And I just remember we were driving and she literally like answered the phone, was holding it, driving 80 miles an hour down Memorial and like couldn't not answer the freaking phone for a client. And I was with her and I like remember feeling unsafe in the vehicle, but I was the intern and I couldn't say anything. And I just remember looking at her being like, is this what my job requires of me is to put my life in danger because I'm so stressed that I can't wait to pick up that call when I get to site or home the next day or even just like take it in the morning. And I remember after that experience, when I first started Social Centric, there were a number of times when I would consistently look at my phone or like answer things for like probably a solid two or three years. I want to say that I've only gotten into the habit of kind of putting myself first over the last two years. But yeah, I, I I can I'm not proud of it, but I've definitely not been able to wait because I've like, nope, the client comes first. And that's crap. You can wait till the next day. You can wait till you get home. Don't put your life in danger. Like this is kind of an extraneous example, but uh, an extenuating example. But yeah, I it's shit like that. Like you you don't have to constantly be all about work. And we live in a society where that's how we were raised. Um, it's like work and die. That's what it is most of the time. But that being said, going back to this conversation with with students, like I, I definitely want to promote that that's not the way it is. But at the same time, yes, you are going to have to pay your dues and start somewhere. Yeah, but paying so there is your that. dues is paying your dues and starting somewhere doesn't mean nothing working, to do with, yeah. working sixty or seventy hours weeks. Like that's just not that's no. not how that works. Like um, no. Putting in your dues means like doing like the shitty things about like creating media lists yeah. and like coverage books. Monitoring social media. Monitoring social media. Like yeah. all of those like things that are yeah. just the worst. They're boring. The but, but that doesn't mean that that's, yeah. that's what you do for like 12 hours a day or that you're there, that you're expected to answer the phone at all hours. And it's funny, like no. when we talk about leaders and, and those sorts of things through my career, um, I... I had terrible bosses for pretty much my entire career. Like I believe I'm, I think I'm only here because of like post-traumatic stress and having to like um, find my own way because I had some tyrannical, horrible people, bosses, like where I'd be crying in the bathroom and things like that. And I was like 10 years into my career when I had the best boss, like 
the best boss I'd ever had in my entire career. And we were working on a time sensitive project. Like it was an 18 month deal, which would totally lead into that whole like hustle bullshit of like working 80 hours a week because we knew we had a finite amount of time, but that wasn't the case. Um, We had a very clear work-life balance for the most part during that time, but she's my best friend now. Like, how do you, like, I'm not saying that would like that happens all the time, but I did 10 years to get a boss that a respected me, let me do my own thing. Um, yeah. wasn't a micromanager, what like allowed complete freedom because she yeah. knew I knew my shit and it was like, yeah, you check in and have a thing. And, but, and yeah, like she's my best friend now for the last 10 years because you, you find those people that value you because mm-hmm. they're like, so she's my people. Yeah. Um, I'm not I've, saying that like you have to be your people with everyone, but that's the kind of like the fact I had to wait a decade to get a leader that understood my, what I brought to the table was a huge, like you look back on that and think like, what? Um, but that's unfortunately a lot of what everybody will go through. Like you also can't leave school or get your first jobs and not think that you're not going to be crying in the bathroom or sobbing on the way home in the drive home in your car because that's going to happen because for the most part leaders generally suck like especially Mm -hmm. corporate in the corporate world or in any of that like leaders aren't leaders leaders aren't in positions of power because they earned the right to be there they're usually there because of other means so you will have to like sort of struggle through a lot of that. But if you maintain your values as a person and your values as um as a worker, mm-hmm. you'll, An employee, you'll, you'll weather those things and you will find your own way to lead. And then you mm-hmm. will actually become a better leader as you progress in your career. Exactly. And we're we're running out of time today, guys. Like I honestly could do a part two of this um, entire cast, uh, just focusing on like the environment because literally the world is burning right now. So how can we even be better leaders are in our environment? But one thing I want to leave you guys with in terms of um, doing a little bit of exploration into yourself in order to make yourself a better leader. I read this book last year called um, Oh my gosh, Wow. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And it helped me figure out my tendencies as a human being, uh, my tendencies as a leader, who I want to be as a human as a, and a leader, as like a person in general, and how I can work with the things that inherently make me who I am in order to achieve that. This book is excellent. I will link it. I will put the link in our show notes. Um, you can order it off of Amazon. It's really affordable. And honestly, it's one of the best things you will ever read as far as helping to achieve all the things that we talked about today. So yeah. Or or buy it from a local bookstore because one of the things you can do to help the environment is to stop supporting Amazon. Okay, fair Thank enough. You, that was all. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Now I'm embarrassed. My face is red. <laughs> I just had to That's laugh. true. <laughs> That's true. Um, Stop buying cheap crap. (laughs) Yeah. That being said too, my girlfriend and I were on a hike over the break and we were talking about ways that we can um, contribute to reducing climate change and 
obviously like you're one person, you're kind of an island, like there's, there's not a lot you can do. But if everybody did a couple of little things within their life every day, we honestly could probably make a pretty large impact. And so five things that I'm committing to uh, moving forward this year is buying as much as I can secondhand. If I don't need something, finding a way to repurpose, reuse, or recycle it or sell it in some in some way. Um, I'm obviously continuing with as much recite like as much recycling as possible. And I'm talking like if I order takeout, I'm recycling the bag it came in, I'm rinsing out all my containers, I'm not being lazy, I'm literally paying attention to how much garbage I'm putting out, switching your garbage bags out to compostable bags, um, switching just your regular garbage bags out to biodegradable or paper is super helpful. And you'll be blown away at how little garbage you end up producing by doing this. And then um, one thing I've been adopting as well is meatless Mondays. Just uh, not eating meat as much. So trying to do vegetarian once or twice a week. Um, if you if you are fond of uh, vegetables, then doing it more than once a week if you can. Um, Alyssa is obviously a vegetarian. So go Alyssa. <laughs> And then um, trying to consume like specific types of beauty products from stores that don't use a lot of packaging, uh, trying to consume things that are like naturally occurring as much as possible, and then growing my own food. This summer, I, I grew a bunch of kale. I stopped buying spinach and kale from the store. So that eliminates how many plastic containers that, let's call it, I end up, would end up chucking out because my kale and my spinach would go bad. So part of the whole thing with that was like going to the garden, pulling it out fresh and not having to worry about it going bad. Um, and yeah, those are just a few things that I think you could do to minimize your environmental footprint. And then obviously, yes, trying not to order from Amazon. <laughs> well, I, my biggest thing, I mean, because I'm a very low waste producing household, but again, I'm... I, I'm one person. Um, so yeah, I compost and I mean, I'm a vegetarian anyway, but, um, and I probably throw away a, a bag of garbage a month. Um, but again, I'm one person. And so that's not, that doesn't relate to a family. So I'm not putting that on a family in any way, but um, my biggest thing is, and I think, and this, this can relate back from a business perspective because we exist in a digital and social media world, but I am so sick and tired of the haul videos on TikTok and YouTube and like the Shein and the H&M haul videos and people just continually hauling cheap, like shitty clothes, like fast fashion. And like, they're so popular on all the social media channels, like Instagram, you can watch hauls all you want, Sephora hauls, all of this like insatiable, mindless consumerism is a massive, massive... Um, environmental problem. We do not need all this shit. Um, we do not need cheap, disgusting, like child labor created clothing from China, like that you can wear once and throw away because it all falls apart. Like just stop it. Buy a few key pieces every season. Like I mean, I have four bags of clothes in the back of my car right now that I'm gonna I'm taking to a women's charity of clothes I don't even wear anymore. And I and I think I have four more that I'm going to pull out, like four more bags full that I'm going to pull out of my my dresser and my closet now. Like the amount of things that we like hold and consume is like ridiculous. And especially because most of us work from home now and like wear like the same thing like three days in a row, let's be honest. Um, 
just stop. It is just like, I mean, and I find it really bad with, with younger people and I don't obviously want to disparage them, but, um, but yeah, these the, like the sheen hauls on on TikTok are ridiculous. And then of course the sheen haul like comes in a huge plastic bag, and then each of the items that they've ordered is all in an individual plastic bag. So they might have like five, six, seven, eight items in that bag, and they're all individually wrapped in plastic. Like, can we all just stop, people? Like, none of this is necessary. Just none of it. I mean, there's my rant. But I love I mean, it. I, love I hate it. the halls. Just make me rage. Like all of them. Yeah. yeah Sephora same. halls. All, like all of it. It's just it's rage inducing. It's like we don't need any of this stuff. No, we don't. Hundred percent. And such with that, your first you guys, world problem. <laughs> it is. It is. And with that, you guys, if you have any suggestions about stuff that you think is is fantastic, as far as everything we've just talked about, send them our way. DM us on uh, Ladies Who Launch. Well, and, and, guys, and, and if you're a student at any PR program, doesn't matter where, and you want advice or you want to talk or you want to ask questions because yes. we, we were once students in PR as well and are now in charge of like hiring people, please send us a DM. We are we more than happy to, to talk to you, to mentor anybody who wants to uh, get yeah. into the industry because it is a good industry. We, we disparage it a little bit, but it is a good industry. <laughs> we're just honest. Yes. <laughs> That's that's why we're the ladies who rant and launch. Right. Anyway. Okay, guys, have a great day. We will see you soon. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 